This is Power Athlete Radio. With your hosts, Denny Kaye, Professor Booty, and the Luke Summers. And now, toes forward, hips locked, shoulders set, and retract those scapulas. It's time for some knowledge bombs. What's up? Episode 47. Man, we got a good one. I'm fired up about this one. I'm fired up about all of them, but this is a really good one. First, let me introduce my badass co-host, Steve. What's up, Denny? What's happening? What's up, Denny? We got Luke and John from Power Athlete HQ. How we doing, fellas? Killing it, obviously. Doing pretty good. I'm uh, just sitting here, and I just saw an email pop across my um, uh, my computer from TMZ Sports looking to interview me about CrossFit, and they should probably just listen to this because we have original CrossFitter with us, Mr. Freddy, Freddy Camacho. Camacho. The elite of the elite. <laughs> Freddy, I should have you call up TMZ Sports. Is TMZ Jeez. like TMZ, TMZ? TMZ. Like the show. Like the show, you know, like the celebrity, you know, like with the paparazzi stuff, oh, uh, where they make fun of people. Aren't they the ones that are dropping a bomb about that girl suing? Oh, you mean the uh, the transgender who's yeah. upset that, that she can't compete as a woman? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, well, that story's I mean, getting out there, huh? All over. Well, here's my deal. Who cares? Let her compete. That's what I say. She's still not going to make regionals. Yeah, she. I, I guarantee. I mean, here, here's the sad part, Freddie, and you and I know this. You could put a. Uh, I guarantee, Freddie, if you and I competed in the women's division, we still would make regionals. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> after, dude, those girls would smash us. Like, I, yeah, I have absolutely no doubt. I, 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 yeah. I mean, the only way I'm beating those girls is in a fist fight. And then, maybe, and then maybe, and then maybe I might not win. <laughs> Might not be able to catch him. Yeah, dude. Dude, seriously, like, let it compete. Let Shim compete. Yeah. Well, the politically correct term is what? Transgender, I think, is what okay. it is. I think she goes as a she. I mean, I uh, at Berkeley I we think, just always called them shims. I think it's a transsexual she because I think I think that she um, had the surgery. Yeah, she had the surgery, and she does take female hormones. Yeah. Uh, but I, I don't know. I mean, I, I can see where CrossFit is uh, wanting to actually cl- make a clear definition, but I think just for the sake of uh, not getting their ass sued, I think um, you probably should just let it compete. That's what I said. I mean, uh, $2.5 million or whatever she's suing for, $25 million is a lot to spend on someone that wouldn't even get past the open. Yeah. yeah. And then, you know what, like, uh, and it's not like she did it in hopes of making and winning the CrossFit Games. It's not like a couple years ago she's like, you know what would be really cool if I was a woman and I competed in the CrossFit Games. Right, right. So it's not like she was looking for, you know, like, would go through all that just to stand up on the podium, which I'm sure there are some people that would go through some crazy stuff to stand up on that podium, but I don't think she's going to go through that. So, I mean, let her compete. Who cares? Wasn't that one of the uh, Simpsons cartoons where Homer Simpson competes in a Special Olympics so he can win and beat everybody? <laughs> yeah, and there's there's all sorts of fucking shows like that. that. Oh yeah, there was a Johnny Knoxville yeah, movie. Uh, movie. I can't remember the name of it, but uh, yeah, he gets destroyed by the Special Olympics guys. <laughs> all right. 
No, Freddie, you know what? Last week we had a... Denny, you there? We think we lost you. Denny got so fired up, he fucking melted his microphone. <laughs> he, basically, he basically power slammed it. Yeah. Uh, Do you know what Denny is cooking? <laughs> so I'll pick up where where Denny left off, and uh, you know, we had a submission last week from a a guy named Jake who wanted to know about uh, some standardized fitness testing that he can use for himself to, as benchmarks that are conducive to his uh, his job as a SWAT officer. And uh, basically, I'll go ahead and read it for you, and we'll just tackle this right away, and then get on with the final stuff. Um, he says, uh, I'm a SWAT cop, and I have a set of fitness standards for myself. I have compiled them from various sources like the CrossFit Seattle skills standards and Mark Ripito's material. I'd like to add something that tests agility or change of direction, but I haven't found any good benchmarks tests with performance standards. Any thoughts on something I could do in the gym or on a field or basketball court? What would be a good par score? Uh, then he gives some, uh, some other current standards, and we'll, we'll put this up on these show notes. We just kind of briefly mentioned it last time. And uh, so, Freddie, what, what, what are your thoughts on that? I don't think he's going in the right direction to hold himself to some fitness standards. I mean, that's important. Um, but, like, as far as what's going to test his agility, like, our, for our team, uh, our, our uh, biannual um, test for the whole team is we, have a, we run an obstacle course that's set up at one of our neighboring PDs, and it's got all kinds of skills in it that are related to the job. You have to ram a door. You gotta, you gotta wear a gas mask and do a little bit of running a gas mask. You gotta shoot a grenade launcher with that gas mask on, and you gotta compete. The, the whole thing's done in like eight and a half minutes. So, you know, everything that he's talking about, I think that his list of standards that he holds for himself are great. But you definitely some kind of test. I think John was about to hint on that too about some kind of obstacle test or something that's going to test the agility. Yeah, when we did, um, we went and designed all the testing stuff for the Huntington Beach guys. Uh, we got them 135-pound sandbags, and they had to, I think it was like a 400-meter run with the sandbag. Uh, they had to do some form of, uh, I think they had to put them on, on, a, on like a, uh, what do you call it, like a, uh, like a tow sled, and they had to drag it. And like we had like a bunch of different stuff that we kind of put together that was kind of, you know, trying to recreate, you know, what they would in, uh, you know, encounter out in the in the real world. You know, we thought that, you know, the average, you know, let's say average woman, let's say is 120 pounds. We thought 135 pound, you know, dead weight sandbag was a good indication that you should be able to be able to pick somebody up, get them out of harm's way, and do some stuff. So, um, I think actually putting some real life scenarios and actually creating some benchmarks and standards is a is a smart way to go. And I'm I. I come to believe that if you look online, I mean, there's got to be something for it. But, you know, something like an obstacle course, I mean, and then obviously being able to do it in your full kit is uh, almost kind of mandatory, you know. I mean, I know when we do a lot of our training stuff with the military and any of the LEO guys, we always have more of the plate carriers and always do a lot of stuff just because you got to get used to that load. If you don't train in it, then I think you run into some potential problems the minute you do have to kind of throw it on. Yeah, really, if he's a SWAT operator, let's say what he's really got to be good at, he's got to be able to wear off his gear and then sit in it for, like, two hours while H&T does negotiation. So, sit, wait, and talk, right? Yeah, well, I mean, isn't that the, uh, <laughs> you know, as a police officer, you get real good about sitting around and waiting. <laughs> uh, so, so, 
so he holds himself to, uh, or what, he mentions that he, he likes the Seattle skills um, standards and then some of Mark Ripito's stuff. Uh, we looked at the skills standards for um, Seattle CrossFit Seattle's athletic skill levels, one through four, um, and it sounds like it's pretty legit. John, yeah. you kind of talked off air about how it was. Yeah, um, the um, uh, so Dave Warner uh, runs uh, Level Four CrossFit up in Seattle, and that is the original CrossFit. He and Rob Wolf started the very first CrossFit affiliate, uh, CrossFit North, uh, about you know a dozen or maybe even longer years ago. And Nancy Warner, Dave's wife, was the first affiliate director, and Dave's a former Navy SEAL. And actually, we were just on a hunting trip in Texas a couple of weeks ago, and. Um, Dave is not only a super intelligent guy, very bright, uh, understands how to work with people, and really went back and started creating all these different matrix for you know people to be able to kind of progress and progressions. And that was a big thing with him, and especially Rob Wolf back in the day, is you bring in somebody and you create some baseline, and then as they improve, you start kind of allowing them to collect milestones, and this gives them a way to kind of gauge their performance against a broader group. Um, and I think uh, you know Dave's been longer at this game as long as anybody, and really looks at this thing almost like a Navy SEAL. That there's, you know, there has to be some form of test, there has to be progression, there has to be milestones to allow you to know you're getting better. And um, uh, you know, I'm a huge fan of anything he puts out. So the fact that he's uh, you know organically found this information, he's using some of these standards. I definitely think he's on the right path. Cool. All right, Jake. Hopefully that, coupled with some of the info we gave you in the last episode, can get you moving in the right direction. Now, I'm sorry, I was, I was kind of multitasking. We we let him know that Freddie was uh, Freddie's big on this agility, the Illinois agility test, right? Yeah, I think so. I think it's a great uh, it's a great test, and you don't you don't need to actually do it in your in gear or anything like that, just to see how you move. I mean, uh, John, I remember that that uh, we were at one of the football service when Roth was teaching was was uh, lecturing, and he was talking about you know how important it is agility, especially in law enforcement. And then he's actually worked with some guys that were doing they were uh they were boarding ships. I remember the story, and like one of his guys that he was training was talking about, hey man, if I had, we were getting shot at, and if I hadn't have been agile on my feet, I would have died that day. Do you remember that story? Yeah. yeah. Yes. I mean, you got to be agile to dodge bullets, right? Isn't that the story? Doesn't it go like that? That particular guy sent Roth like the helmet he was wearing that, like that's where the helmet or something. Yeah, that's where the whole dive and drive, be courageous thing came from. So when Roth really talks about a lot of the sprint stuff, that the guy was in a situation where all of a sudden the live bullets uh, started coming out, and that's why you know if you hear a lot of the cues that we that we use at a seminar and Roth uses was like be a bullet loaded in the gun. I want you to dive and drive, be aggressive, be courageous, get out there, you know, pretend like a bad person is chasing. I mean, all these cues that if you've been to the seminar, you've heard us use come from this uh, interaction where he had where the guy sent him the stuff and it was like as soon as the bad stuff started happening all I could think of was dive and drive, be courageous, get out there and uh, he's like if I hadn't had you know that in the back of my mind, if I hadn't trained in that capacity uh, I wouldn't be here today and uh, you know I think at that point Roth started seeing the practical application um, of his program and you know there's nothing like you know and, and we've got this for many years with the CrossFit football program and the power athlete and the, the, the field strong stuff where we have these kind of tier one operators and we've gone out and worked with all these tier one teams 
um, you know, implementing these programs and working, and the guys are, you know, doing them over in Afghanistan. They're they're doing them in wartime, and uh, it's helping them be efficient, better, healthier, stronger, stable soldiers, and doing a better job. And you know, the LEO guys and the the law enforcement community we worked with, it has paid dividends to help them be more effective at their jobs. So. Anytime you can put a program out and have real-world application and real-world success, it just adds more validity to the program. Trust me, not nice. enough cops are learning how to how to move on their feet. As, uh, we do a lot of, like, I'm a defensive tactics instructor for the department also, so um, we had defensive tactics training for our whole department, so I basically trained, like, over the course of a week, trained, like, 80, 85 um, officers. And uh, what's so funny is... Uh, I kind of fuck with them and pull out the uh, the um, the agility ladder, pull up the agility ladder, <laughs> and do agility drills in the warm up, and watching them on their feet is just like, how do people even walk? You know what I mean? And then uh, even yesterday, we had SWAT training yesterday, and uh, we're doing a lot of a lateral movement, shooting laterally, and uh, not thinking that so much straight forward, um, back and forth stuff. So, you know. The cross the football thing has been has been right in the, like all the shuttle runs and the, the change of direction stuff, stuff like that. We don't think about that enough. Well, it's uh, pretty, and you know this from especially in, in your uh, shoot training and a lot of the gun training, pistol and low rifle. The minute that you start getting people to move to move laterally, it's amazing how much complexity that throws at it. I know people are like, well, you know, that seems like it, you know, like doesn't really make sense. But I remember, you know, everybody's so used to, you know, moving forward and then kind of retreating that all of a sudden when you start talking about, you know, like, hey, I'm going to draw, I'm going to take a lateral step and you start kind of, uh, you know, multi-directional moving and then using the pistol and the targets and how you kind of do it. It's, um, it's, it's actually pretty hilarious. And you can see people that have put in the time, put in the work and, uh, you know, who have attention to detail and preparation. And it's just like anything. I mean, we always go back to that, you know, uh, Greg Glassman quote, if we fail at the margins of our experience. Well, if you haven't put it in your training, if you hadn't incorporated some form of lateral movement, especially the shooting stuff, dude, how are you going to expect somebody to, to do good? Um, one of the guys that we were down in Texas with uh, does CrossFit football. I don't know if he's listening to it right now, but he's a, 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 a Marine and, you know, Special Operations Command Marsoc guy and does a lot of pistol stuff. And, uh, you know, as we were drawn down and just kind of doing some basic things, everything was about lateral movement and he was literally rehearsed every step, you know, like as he was drawing, he was taking lateral steps. And then as he, you know, went to reload, he was taking lateral steps, like going for cover and just kept moving within it and everything he was moving. He's like, honestly, he's like, I've never been in a situation where I've just had to draw clean, press out, pull the trigger and not had to move in some defensive way. He goes, it just doesn't happen. So why am I going to train for just, just that? I should always incorporate some form of lateral step, forward step, side step into that, uh, into that draw stroke. And, um, I came home and realized I was like, dude, I just basically stand in my good athletic position and work on drawing and pressing out and, you know, all my mechanics and I need to start incorporating some form of lateral step and some type of move on the sh on the draw. So, no, absolutely. Um, too. You're a big target. <laughs> I am a big target. I actually uh, just recently picked up bigger plates. So when I measured my plate, my plate was like 10 by 12 and I was like, wait a minute, this is for a much smaller man. I need like an 11 by 14 plate. So I had to go back and actually get some bigger plates just because uh, I'm a bigger target. <laughs> Freddie, are, are the bad guys out there doing training like this? Do they do they have standardized fitness tests? You know what, man? It's, it's like uh, standardized fitness. Have you ever seen a freaking like burpees, right? 1,000, a million inmates can't be wrong, right? 
So they're training in they're training while they're in jail. And then what's interesting is I watched uh, I went to this FBI um, presentation and they interviewed all these uh, all these guys that had killed cops or violently assaulted cops. And uh, these guys were amazing. So they talk about how much they practice shooting. They were just like standing on the street corner would just pull out their gun in one hand and shoot at a street lamp and do it like all day. You know, hey, you know, let's shoot that. That, that headlight right there, or that car, you know, shoot something like that. So they're practicing their shooting, and the big thing is that they're sizing dudes up. Like, every one of them said, like, the moment that I saw this guy or he contacted me, he's like, I knew I could take him. You know, they're sizing him up right off the bat. Hmm. So just another reason. You're a fat slob, and you get out of your car, and you're brushing powdered donut off the front of your uniform as you walk up. That dad's sizing you out. He's like, I'm going to take this guy. He ain't going to beat me. Yeah, right. dude, cops don't eat bad donuts anymore. They eat bagels. <laughs> bagels is a big thing now. They're healthier. All right, so they're yeah. brushing the cream cheese off the front of their uniform. There you go. There you go. <laughs> no, I mean, that was uh, a really interesting presentation. So, yes, the, the bad guys are practicing. They're, they're, they, they go, I mean, I'm the, I know back in the day before I was a cop, I knew guys are like, hey, man, I'm getting small. I need to go back to prison for a little while so I can get big again. You know, <laughs> free gym membership. Well, yeah. I mean, the, the smartest thing they did was take the weights out of the gym, but those guys got pretty smart and figured out a whole training system without weights, and those guys were able to stay pretty big. Um, but you know, it's just like anything, dude. If uh, uh, if you don't prepare for the worst, the worst is going to happen. I mean, yep. you know, if you're not if you're not ready, if you're not, you know, like I always think about, there's uh, and they, they have it in every squad house, they have it in every, uh, 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 you know, meet, meeting room of every cop. There's a picture of a bunch of uh, uh, inmates posing in the yard, and they're all pretty jacked. And what, what does it say, Freddie? It's like, uh, uh, you know, we got our training in today. Are you, did you? Or yeah, it says yeah, something yeah, yeah. Right. It's like you know, training every day to, to to kick your ass. And it's it's pretty interesting. The um, all the the jailer guys and a lot of the sheriffs that actually work in the jails. That's a big thing they talk about. Is like, you know, you go to work with you know ten thousand dudes that would want to kill you in a heartbeat. You better be ready for it. So I think if if you're not preparing. And you know, training and busting your ass with preparation that you know what this next dude that you size up is uh, is going to be able to take it, make you in trouble. I always um, laugh at some of the the guys that we work with uh, talking about um, you know the ability to 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 run and, and sprint, and then getting the first time like uh, a mutual friend of Freddie's and I's talking about the first time he was in Afghanistan and he got smoked by a dude in a set of uh, uh, sandals and a and a man dress. <laughs> that he was going to chase some dude, and he had all on his body armor, and like this dude took off running, and he went to go chase him, and he said after about like 200 yards, this dude was, you know, faster than an Olympic sprinter, and he was so embarrassed <laughs> that he got outrun by a dude in a set of uh, uh, sandals and a man dress, and he came back, and he's like, God damn it, these dudes are fast, and he's like, well, yeah, no shit, these dudes are running for their life, you know, right. so, you know, like there was a, a video I got sent the other day where an undercover cop, um, gets into an altercation, so no, not undercover, but an off-duty cop that was working security got into an altercation with a drunk guy, and... Uh, it was a firefighter, by the way. Oh, yeah, fire, Freddie, you sent me that, right? I don't know if I sent it to you, but it, that made it circulation around to everybody, pretty much. I Yeah, so the guy was off-duty, and the guy gets into a, you know, the drunk guy starts beating up on him, and the dude starts crying for help, and the people are, like, filming it, and then the drunk dude gets on top and just starts laying haymakers, and the dude pulls out a gun and pops him. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, first of all, that should have never escalated to what happened. 
Like he should have. I mean, if you can't fight a or beat up a, a a drunk guy who's so drunk he's laying on the on the ground, you got some problems. That could have been completely. I mean, Freddie, I'm pretty sure you would have handled that much differently. Yeah. Well, you know the big problem with our with our uh with our our um, law enforcement in general is that they gave up on fitness standards for officers. We're not held accountable to any fitness standards. And well, so, it wasn't it discrimination? Yeah, that's exactly what it is. It's a, you know the lawyers turned that around. So, is what it is. That fucking blows. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so weird. Like, Firefighters gotta have fitness standards, but cops don't. You know. Hmm. That's crazy. Why is that? I mean, is that just a political thing? That sounds fucking retarded. Yeah, somebody sued. It, it, it was about the. Uh, I think the lawsuit. Uh, stem back from something about like there was like a basic physical test that you had to do to be able to pass into uh, you know law enforcement and then there was something about a lawsuit about that it was discriminatory and then just kind of evolved so I think uh, yeah somebody got paid off of that one and then instead of dealing with more lawsuits and and they just got rid of fitness standards well then it's even like they've had like uh, I know down in like Los Angeles their test for the, the SWAT team or maybe it was some big city, they they even lowered the standards to the test for the SWAT team because the, you know, women said that they were discriminated against to get on the SWAT team. So. Damn. Landed lawyers. You would well, think you would want to have some sort of baseline, you know, fitness level, just doing the job. Well, fuck that. You would think that us, the public, wants them to have some baseline. Fit. Somebody's gonna come save me, or yeah. like. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm in a hostage right. situation. I don't want some fat fuck who, like, gets out of breath going up two stairs. Hey, um, wait a second. That happens yeah. sometimes. Well, but but think about this. What if you get into trouble and you got to outrun a cop? Are you really that nervous? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, what if you're a bad that's not, person? That's not how I roll, John. Well, I mean, <laughs> you're a law-abiding citizen. I, I, I know you're a law-abiding citizen, but, I mean, you know, like, if I'm, if I'm looking at it, like, hey, if I get out of my car and I look at the cop and I nod my head, I'm like, you want to go? Let's race. I like your full attitude, John. You know, <laughs> next time, Freddie, next time I get pulled over, that's going to be the one. I'll be like, here's the deal. I'm not going to let you write me a ticket unless you can beat me in a foot race. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> right? and the cops going to look at me. I'm like, I'm like, here it is, dude. I will let you write me a ticket. If not, you got to smoke me. <laughs> There's two reasons why cops let themselves go. Number one is that they're, by in general, most people are lazy. And number two is that they all have the mentality, well, nothing bad's ever going to happen to me. So, really, you know, I mean, that's how else? Like, how else could you let yourself be obese and think? What else are you thinking? You got to be thinking, well, nothing bad's ever going to happen to me. I wear a uniform, so nothing bad's ever going to happen to me. I mean, I, I can't understand whatever mentality else you could have to let yourself go like that in this yeah. job. So. I've thought about that a lot too. I mean, what what the hell are you thinking to just say fuck it, just go, yeah. just yeah. let yourself go, just fucking if, let it ride? Not, like you said, pure laziness. Let it ride. I mean, when you're or you're just comfortable and content. Business. You know what's funny is that I have we work a twelve hour shift and we get one of the hour of that to work out in the PD gym and there's only like maybe ten guys at our department that take advantage of that. How's the gym? It's pretty nice. 
Nah, it's freaking ghetto, but still. Does it have weights? It's got weights and it's got bumper plates. Oh, it's got beautiful. freaking. It's small. It's got a treadmill. It's got everything you need to do to work out on your ship for an hour and at least do something. You know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So. You know, and then I know uh, some of my cop friends. They say like, uh, at least in this area, if they're gonna go take like this annual fitness test, it's they get an option to take it, and then they get like four hundred bucks. You know, yeah, they have a lot of to do that too. Which is like barely anything. Make it like five grand. Shit, I'll take a day. Off. We get a. I would like just a day off, an extra day off. Anytime I ain't got to work on the street is a good day. Yeah. There you go. All right. Well, want to talk about Strong? Uh, did we have another question, Denny? Well, do you want to go into the submission? Yeah, let's do it. Let's just knock Stage it out. Adams. Adams. We'll just... This is a good one. This is a good one. Okay. So Stage Adams emailed in. Uh, do you view the squat, barbell back squat, as a quad dominant exercise? It was my understanding that by squatting deep below parallel, you engage posterior chain to a greater degree to, quote, get out of the hole and thus reduce the tendency of overdeveloping the quads. Um, I ask because as a sprinter, I have come across information that recommends de-emphasizing the squat in the strength training program of a sprinter, parentheses 100 to 200 meters. This is done in effort to avoid overdeveloping the quads since the muscles of the, uh, how would you say that, soys? Glutes and hamstrings are more involved in top end speed. Your feedback is greatly appreciated. So John, I think he answered yeah, quad dominant exercise. I, what do you think? I, no, no. What what yeah. dictates whether something is uh, is you know? I mean, obviously the squat's a total body, but basically the uh, the position of the shin and the shin angle is really going to dictate what I believe is going to be quad and what's going to be more more, more posterior. Mm -hmm. That if you get into a system that has a ton of vertical uh, shin angle, obviously it's going to be more stress in the quad. Uh, you get something that has more of a neutral to even a negative shin angle, something like a box squat, it's going to be way more in the posterior chain. So I think really how you squat and the angles at which you squat are, are really going to kind of favor one side, but I don't think you can ever say that a multi-jointed movement is just quad dominant or posterior dominant. It's kind of a combination. Now, which side it weighs it on is going to be dependent on the shin angle. So Your movement pattern. Yeah, the movement pattern, the chest angle, a lot of different things. Um, he actually, uh, we had a little dialogue, emailed him back, and he actually sent me the link that he was referring to, and uh, I understand what the guy was talking about. He's a strength coach at UC Berkeley. Um, I think he's wrong on a lot of fronts in that uh, you can't take a complex movement pattern, multi-jointed movement pattern, something like the squat, and say that... Uh, doing it to this range of motion is going to do this. I mean, it, I, I just don't think it's that cut and dry. I think that you have to develop uh, strength and stability um, through full ranges of motion. Uh, more importantly, uh, that ability to, you know, uh, take advantage of the stretch shortening cycle, um, you know, uh, and uh, stretch reflex and, you know, rate coding. And we, we get into all these different things. 
uh, all of that happens when you start utilizing these full movements. Um, I yeah, I mean, ha having read the stuff, I, I I don't think that the coach is necessarily wrong, but I just there's more context to yeah. establish. Not like uh, so to put a little context into where I think this is coming from is we we encounter it all the time at the certs too. Like the way people are taught to squat is to like, I don't think people fight the weight enough to get into the position that John was talking about, like trying to keep as, as vertical of a shin angle as you can to really engage the posterior because at the seminars we see people pitch forward all the time and you got to realize that when the bar's on your back, it's trying to push you forward. Like it's doing everything to crumple you forward. And if you're not conscious and aware or trained on how to stay back against that bar and engage the posterior, you're going to light up your quads. And, uh, you know, we do we do an informal survey at our seminar. You know, those of you who, uh, you know, how many people squat at least twice a week, you know, show of hands. How many people have sore quads after they squat? Uh, then show of hands. And then how many people also have sore hamstrings? And then you see hands just flop down like fucking dead flies. And then we watch these people squat in the practical, and what do they do? They pitch forward on their toes. They get this forward shin angle. And then as they stand up, they have the forward shin angle during the concentric phase. So it could be quad dominant if you're just allowing it to be quad dominant. Yeah, right? but, uh, but it, you know, say, like the problem is is that everybody really likes to just say, hey, you know what, um, okay, yeah, like if you talk about uh, single jointed movements like a leg extension, obviously a leg extension is going to be quad dominant. But you start talking about a multi-jointed, Mm -hmm. uh, free weight movement that takes apart balance and all these other different factors, it's impossible to say it. And what I really didn't like about the, um, uh, when the article he put me to is the, the guy's analogy was that um, because when the sprinter's in the block, uh, he's not in that deep squatted position. So therefore there's not, you know, obviously it's not as advantageous and we don't want to develop the quads because they need more pushing. And I'm like, well, yeah, that's why you have multiple training stimulus mm -hmm. stimuli in the program that you're just not squatting. I mean, we, we look at the squat as kind of that basic kind of cornerstone power or power movement. But if you notice, we do a ton of dynamic pulling. We do a lot of power movements. Uh, we do, you know, a lot of plyos. We do kind of a complete program with our kind of, uh, you know, primal movement patterns or lunge squat and step. And, um, you know, like I think that there is a place uh, for a very, very specific athlete doing, you know, some form of uh, specific movement. Like, for example, like like uh, the guy was talking about using like a, a high box squat, working on just being able to work on that violent hip extension and that ability to drive up and just train that range of motion. But if you look at it, like the way we kind of train that, that kind of that last little bit of extension is actually through all of our dynamic pulling, which we call uh, Olympic lifting. And, you know, we use the, uh, uh, the squats and the movements in terms of full ranges of motion. So I'm just uh, like, it's funny, like you read the stuff and you know where the person's coming from, but it's like they're missing the forest for the trees. Yeah. They're, they're just focusing on one aspect. And I think the other problem, too, is that everybody kind of has to kind of identify their own little kind of corner, their own little bit of minutia. I'm like, oh, this is what we do when we're different. When um, I think it's just flat-ass wrong, uh, you know, and, and we're, you know, uh, Tex and I have been on this research project working on uh, the Charlie Francis stuff and going back and really looking at this lactate and, like, kind of like uh, uh, lactic acid bathing and this kind of... Um, uh, 
you know, training system and kind of what he did with the kind of volume and intensity model because a lot of the stuff that we've been doing kind of with our own training kind of fits within it. Mm -hmm. And uh, when you really look at like, you know, his strength work and what he did, and especially when you go back and you look at what he did for Ben Johnson, I mean, you know, seven, eight days before the Olympics, got Ben Johnson do at 180, 175 pounds, doing 600 pound box squats from below parallel. I mean, obviously the ability to generate force is really huge and everybody's going to say, oh, well, you know, Ben Johnson got top positive for drugs while well, everybody takes drugs in the uh, in the sprinting world in the Olympics. It's just unfortunate that Ben uh, tested positive. Um, but that doesn't negate that Charlie Francis' training was extremely beneficial. But, you know, I mean, but then you turn on and there's a video of Tim Gay talking about that the new way to squat is just quarter squats because this is the only thing I need to worry about for the extension. The problem is, is that, you know, uh, when you, it's a one-dimensional claim again. It's a one-dimensional claim. So, I mean, e even if you go back and you read a bunch of the, uh, you know, Berkashansky and a lot of the Russian stuff, which we like, you know, they talk about the difference between a GPP squat and a sports-specific squat, that, you know, you're going to need a GPP, a full range of motion, mm -hmm. uh, you know, a deep squat as a kind of a general preparation, but then as somebody moves into a more specific preparation for their sporting event, that they can start changing rep ranges and using a rep range that's more beneficial and more reminiscent of what they're doing in their sport. So, and, you know, the idea that a quarter squat, you could probably handle more weight, it's faster, you can get faster turnaround, and I understand what they're talking about, but uh, not to the point that I'm going to program quarter squats. Uh, the reason being is when I see them, a little piece of me dies, and I don't have any that more pieces to kill off. So, then, um, uh, yeah, okay. Also, I mean, John, couldn't you also... Uh, okay, so let's say we have this GPP style squatting. Let's just, and I'm, I hate to generalize this, but yeah. let's just say, for the sake of this discussion, we have a GPP squat, which is your full squat below parallel, all right? And then you have your SPP squat, which potentially could be a high box squat or the quarter squat or whatever, whatever we want to call it. Sure. Uh, the amount of time you would spend on GPP as you approach, let's say, world class status, Olympian status, does that, do you think that the GPP uh, focus reduces and there's more time spent focusing on SPP. Yeah, I, I mean, what I'm getting at is like if you're not world class, then just fucking move the dirt, proverbially speaking. Stick with what's known to work and what we've been trying and testing and proving true for the past five years, and and you're gonna be fine. Well, here's my thing too: is um, at the end of the day, uh, somebody who is a full uh, squatter, like stand up you know, just full squat, put the bar, heavy bar on your back, squat down below, parallel, and stand up, will always be dramatically stronger than mm -hmm. somebody that does quarter squats, somebody that does half squats, or even a box squatter. Uh, and I remember, you know, having a good conversation with Jim Wendler about this, that Jim was like, you know, the West Side guys use a ton of box squats, but at the end of the day, uh, a true free squatter, a Kirk Kowalski, a Milana Chef, those guys, who, you know, these guys are, are you know, single-ply, no-ply, belt, wraps, 1,000-pound squatters will always be stronger. So you can fucking Mickey Mouse your way and think, oh, you know what, I'm just going to do quarter squats and that this is all you need. Well, that's bullshit. It's not what you need. Because at the end of the day, somebody that stands up, puts a heavy bar on their back, maintains posture position, stands down below parallel, and stands up will always be a stronger, more explosive, more dynamic athlete. And there's, I don't believe you can tell me that there will be a detraining or a negative net gain by doing that full by training a squat in a full range of motion opposed from a quarter squat. Now you might mm -hmm. say, well, on the quarter squat I can handle more weight. Okay. 
So you're effectively cheating range of motion to handle more weight. Okay, uh, it's faster turnaround. I can do more reps more violently. Okay, well, I mean, we can. There's other ways for us to do that uh, that don't involve the bastardizing of of a movement. And I think what we've done is we've effectively looked for the easy way out. And Mark Ripto and I had a a great conversation about this the other day. Actually, I forwarded him this information, and uh, he sent me back an article piece they're writing. And actually, we're gonna. Uh, work together on a piece for a starting strength uh, on the difference between um, being weight room strong and just field strong. But at the end of the day, uh, standing up, free squatting, putting heavy bar on your back, standing down, standing up and going below parallel and coming back up will always be a stronger athlete than any other fucking Mickey Mouse bullshit. <laughs> so I think there you have it. Do we answer that question, guys? Knocked it out of the park. I've always seemed more impressed than somebody who um, has a full range of motion squat over like a real heavy box squat, you know. I just think like the full range, it's just, I don't want to say like the box squatting is a partial movement. I mean, I, no, I get it's, like it's, all the benefits of it, but I mean. No, uh, box squatting is not a partial movement, it's just a different squat. So what the box effectively allows you to do is it allows you to sit back into a shin angle, which is almost next to impossible to get into in a free squat. So if you watch guys that are big box squatters, they sit back to a, a pause or a, uh, a neutral to a pause or a negative shin angle. So as they sit back really deep into the squat, they can get into a position that's next to impossible. Then what they do is they sit, they actually take the stretch shortening cycle, stretch reflex out of the movement with a pause, and then they, they go from there and they generate, and, and Freddie's been out to West Side too, and you know watching these guys squat 1,000, 1,100 pounds off the box pretty dynamically is pretty fucking impressive. And I will never say that those guys aren't extremely strong, but then when you watch guys transition, and I remember watching um, you know Mark Bell and even uh, Brandon Lilly and those guys who were big West Side kind of box squat guys move into more of a raw squat, all of a sudden you watch, all of a sudden their shin angle has to creep forward because uh, the position and just being a constant raw squatter, you get into a more kind of natural position where the bar is in a good position on the back. It stays over the kind of center of the gravity, and then you kind of start balancing as you drive your butt back. You can kind of start playing with it. Um, it's just two different movements. Uh, the box squat, I think, is is a is a great tool. Um, you know, and, and the the West Side guys have have used it with great uh, success. And you know, I mean, we we use it periodically in our training. I just, at the end of the day, uh, it's it's an it's an advanced move. It's like you know, going in and teaching like at the seminars we teach the floor press. It's a partial movement that allows us to teach the squat in a good way. But at the end of the day, we would never say, hey, we just want you to uh, floor press and not bench press. So I think the the box squat has its application. I think it's a great movement. Uh, but at the end of the day, I don't think that you are going to um, ever develop, uh, you know, the strength that you need. I mean, you have to be able to raw squat. I think you have to be able to put a heavy bar on your back, and you have to be able to do it. I just don't think that um, there's a reason why that movement is, has been the cornerstone of every strong person's training since the beginning of time. Good point. Luke, we have any submissions at this point of the show? Um, Callie's just sending a whole bunch of nonsense. Oh, no. She's worse than Puerto Rico. Uh, I don't know. She actually took a second job as a, a garbage lady. So now Wednesdays in the morning she goes and she collects garbage 
Um, and I guess she's making garbage art with it. Uh, when we went over to her new house, she, she looks like she was sculpting a, a life-sized man out of garbage. So I think she's lonely. Yeah, I mean, it was um, even weirder was that she uh, was actually splaying on cutting uh, aluminum cans and covering it. And it's some uh, art project she's working on. I think it's called like the Silver Man. It's kind of strange. It's like it's <laughs> it's it's really pretty odd. But you know, uh, Kelly's a unique and a gentle soul, and we're gonna support her with, uh, with the Silver Man. Yeah, with all the Silver Man garbage stuff that she's doing. Uh, <laughs> so I guess to answer your question, uh, Scott Shirley's trying to ask us a question about Big Monkey, but he's having a hard time. So we're gonna have something. Uh, John, I don't know. Do you want Do you want just give a little kind of brainstorming session on where that's going to go. Yeah, some guy asked a question in the forums about Big Monkey. He's like, oh, I'm thinking about using it. Uh, you know, I'm like, hey, dude, honestly, uh, China asked Freddie, uh, when China did uh, some version of the Big Monkey, how much training was she doing, Freddie, when, uh, uh, when I was writing her programming? That was problem. She was training about, I mean, just, are we talking about the Matrix? Yeah, or even you remember the uh, past the Matrix we got into all the specific stuff. I mean, she was doing three workouts a day, and she was training for easily four hours a day. Yeah, easily. You know, what I mean, but that's so, what top tier. That's what top notch athletes are going to be doing. That's they're yeah, training and, for a day. They're not taking a CrossFit class, and and they're like, oh wow, I'm going to be awesome. Yeah, I mean, that's really what our big monkey training really is. It's like the type of training that you would need to do to be a professional CrossFitter. It's, uh, it's got our Olympic lifting template. It's got our plyos. I mean, I think Zach Forrest was doing it and was, you know, taking him three, four hours a day, and he had three or four workouts a day. I mean, there was a conditioning. There was a mobility. Uh, there was the Olympic lifting. There was our strength. There was our capacity work. I mean, everything's broken up into multiple parts. It, you know, I mean, if you think about it, the best guys in the world are training three, four, five, six times a day. Um, you know, they got a dedicated strength template. They're doing, you know, two and three and four conditioning workouts just because that's what it takes to be a winner. So, um, uh, you know, people are, are been asking about this program, and uh, you know, we just have to figure out a better delivery method. But uh, for the most part, it's going to be a load. Yeah. Like, uh, so I'll, I'll sh I'm going to click on this little guy so it pops up. But Scott basically asks. Uh, first off, he says. Uh, I guess for their whole gym, all they do is cross the football, everybody. Perfect. You, so, can, you, you can get it done in an hour. Yeah, so that, that would work out. But then he's talking about uh, we would like to use Big Monkey for our gen pop classes using the part that can't be finished in under an hour for advanced athletes. Any chance this will work? So, like, no. Uh, no. no. It's going to be a chunk, I mean, uh, in the sense and, that... And also, it, it's, it's not only the time, but, I mean, you can ask Freddie. I mean, dude, just, just China's warm-ups just to get her ready... We're 15 and 20 minutes, and we're, you know, I mean, uh, you know, bar muscle-ups to up and over, sandbags. I mean, it was a lot of big, hard, strong capacity type stuff. And, uh, you know, the take, you know, and part of the reason I was always so stoked to work with China was that uh, anybody that comes out of a swimming background like she has has got the ability to do a lot of work and a lot of suffering. So, I mean, more so than, you know, I know like a lot of people kind of put out a program like the Outlaw stuff or even the Invictus, and they allow the program to select for the individual, I kind of select the individual and then tailor the program. Yeah, for so the it's individual. not like the program will make you elite. Like you have to walk in. Yeah, you, you got to be pretty fucking good. You know, so and and there's we don't and to answer just a question that I'm sure we're gonna get. Will there be like an onboarding protocol? Like no, no, that's not in the pipeline right now. We're catering to a market of uh, people who are skilled, can handle the volume. And we can't take you there. Only you can take you there. And a lot and of hand holding. We, we we got no time for that hand. Holding. So it's just 
and you, you look at some of the athletes who are going to be exposed to this stuff, they've been uh, they've been skilled athletes for in terms of the fitness athletes or fitness competition, whatever you want to call it, uh, for years. You know, and that's I think that's who it's going to give it's going to really cater to and benefit. Uh, there's for anyone else, I don't think it would be super beneficial, and especially not for Gen Pop. So, hey, you guys, you were talking about um, the Matrix. When every now and then I'll I'll go to like CrossFit One World and I'll look at their um, I like looking at the programming. Freddie will write some crazy shit on his whiteboard every now and then. Um, but one thing I see is that it looks like the athletes there um, are using. Um, what's called the Matrix, a, a program that John had written, I'm assuming, a few years ago. Is, yeah, can you yeah, talk it was, about that it, a little bit, or what, what that yeah, program's designed to do? Yeah, it's a um, it's an Olympic lifting program that uh, Bob Ticano and I wrote, and uh, I went up and I, I hung out with Bob and kind of went over kind of how he looked at kind of reps and volume and kind of put this whole thing into play. And he wrote me, or he gave me a bunch of parameters and asked me to write a program. And then I came back and we looked at the program and he, he was like, I, I changed this, let's do this. And then we'll test it. And we did the program and everybody got really fucking strong. And so then when I went back and I kind of reported the results and what we were doing, um, we kind of made some more kind of uh, assumptions about it. And I looked at it, and I saw a way for me to kind of mix in the kind of the light, heavy, medium type uh, training for it with uh, with some CrossFit stuff. And uh, I tested the program with a group offline in a, in a Google Doc, and uh, everybody that did the program got really strong. And I, I think that was really where China really kind of went from where she was and started kind of moving in the right direction. And uh, Freddie. Uh, had great success on the program and has uh, been kind of pulling it out and using it in his back pocket periodically since then. So, Freddie, you might want to talk a little bit about it too. Yeah, I did. It's it's awesome. The the thing about it, I, and I had to kind of precursor, like you know, I put it on the blog, and what I was doing with we have our strength program for our gym for our general pop, but I have some guys that are like, hey, I want to kind of take it to the next level, so. What I've been doing, I'm going around and I'm finding other strength programs and then posting them on the blog and giving credit to whoever wrote them. So our first one that we did was a basic strength program from Catalyst Athletics. But I contacted John and said, hey, we're about through this first cycle of that one. I'd like to do the Matrix. Now, in hindsight, I kind of, I kind of shortchanged the Matrix a little bit because I'm only posting the strength part of it. And actually, a huge component of the Matrix is the actual workouts that we did. Awesome. So, yeah. So I mean, I kind of, I kind of sh should have precursor that because now I'm getting all these people that are all like, "Can you, can you email me the whole rest of the matrix?" And and uh, and then what's funny about it is the original document only had the first three weeks, and it's a nine week program. So and I didn't really write down every workout that we did over the next six weeks after the first three weeks. Freddie, I think I have it. I can send it to you. Uh, it's it was awesome. I mean, and the other thing is that people literally don't realize. I think what happened was. I talk about the matrix in China. Not only did she have her transformation in, in movement, but her whole body her her body changed. Like we both lost. I mean, I was in such great shape, and she lost like all kinds of weight. So all these people are like, "Oh, I got to do this matrix thing. I'm going to lose all kinds of weight." What they don't realize is that we were finishing the strength component in like an hour to five to maybe an hour and fifteen. I mean, we're fucking moving, and we're moving heavy shit. Whereas I got people that are trying it. And they're like the first the first day they're taking like two and a half hours. I'm all like, no, that's you're not that's not the intention for you to 
rest, text on your phone in between sets, get all nice and cool down again, and then go do another lift. You know, so they're kind of missing out on that whole component. But I knew that a lot of people were going to want to try it just because I talked about how much China's body changed doing the Matrix. So we're gonna have we're gonna have 500 fucking people. Hit us up for this program, John. <laughs> uh, no, it, uh, it doesn't exist. I mean, <laughs> it exists just in Freddie's mind. No, that's I, it, that's know, it. We've, we've created a lot of cool stuff, and uh, you know, at, at some point we'll you know we'll put the stuff out there. But it's like everything's about progression. I mean, we were already working with advanced athletes. Everybody had already come from a pretty good place, and it was something that that we tested. And uh, you know, I, I think it's awesome that uh, Freddie only throws out portions of stuff. I mean. You know what's cool is that uh, we've tested so much stuff offline, and we have such a cool battery of information. We work with so many athletes that we can kind of pull a lot of stuff, and um, you know, and really kind of show people a little bit of progression. I mean, the field strong stuff's been really great for me, just because it allows me to kind of prep and kind of write everything that I want to put out there, and uh, you know, allow me to create a complete program that uh, to me is more responsible than anything that else we've done. I mean, just asking somebody to go do something without kind of saying, hey, you know what, this is what I want you to do for your warm-up. This is what I want you to focus with. And really the narrative and the understanding has really uh, allowed me to kind of write something that's I think is really super cool. And the people that have been doing the field strong stuff are really kind of starting to get a glimpse in behind, uh, you know, why we do what we do, how we prep it, how we progression it, and more importantly, here are the corrective movements that you need to master to get better at just being able to do these basic things. And if you've been to the CrossFit Football Seminar, then the field strong stuff makes sense. Uh, if you haven't been to the seminar, then you probably need to get off your ass and come to it just because uh, it's, it's, it's really where you start to understand the method and the philosophy and, and really the whole program as a whole. And You know, Freddie's been to probably about 10 of these things, and every time he comes, he's always like, dude, I always learn something new, and there's always something great. So um, it's just kind of it, – it's just been real exciting for us to do this. How did the uh, Arizona seminar go, Luke? Uh, I can't believe that was just like three days ago. I fucking blacked out. It was good. We, so we, Callie and I drove down there. That was like a six-hour drive or so, and uh, we got in there, had had some steaks Friday night, and then we rolled from there on out. Um, it went well, man. We had a lot of a lot of cool people there. Changed a lot of people's mindset on. <laughs> on their training and on, on their coaching as is standard operating procedure. Um, I'm trying to think of some memorable attendees we had there. Oh, we had a, we had a guy there. Uh, it's always cool to have a, an attendee who's like, I, I don't know what an AMRAP or a WAD is. Like, what, what are you talking about here? Because this guy was a uh, – he coached at – or he was like the, the athletic director and head strength coach at a high school in Phoenix. And, uh, you know, through word of mouth – he had heard that CrossFit football is, you know, you have to go to this seminar. It's going to revolutionize, revolutionize the way you train your athletes. So he showed up. You know, he had his uh, his dry fit on, his basketball shorts, and his New Balances, and uh, he went through a hell of a weekend. And I mean, I'll tell you what, it's awesome to see coaches and uh, strength coaches out there who who are willing to learn. But more importantly, you know, he had given us a warning that he hadn't really been the most active person over the past few years. You know, he found his niche, he found his job. Uh, they had implemented the bigger, faster, stronger training, and uh, you know, uh, he he essentially had come for the programming, and and he had a lot of good feedback for us, and he had a lot of good experience, uh, uh, real applicable experience because 
the other half of the people who were at the seminar wanted to solicit coaches like him to help implement a strength and conditioning program uh, based off of CrossFit football. So it was really cool to have that. And, uh, you know, he, he totally changed his perspective. And, you know, we got to get back in touch with him. We're always doing follow-ups with our coaches that come to these things to see how it's affecting their team. So, but, uh, yeah, and then Sunday was a uh, woke up at 5 o'clock because daylight savings time switched my phone. So I was looking at my phone. Callie and I were supposed to meet in the lobby at 6.45 to go to breakfast. I'm sitting there looking at my phone, and I'm just texting her. I'm like, what's the deal? Where you at? What's going on? And uh, like an hour later, she hits me up. I'm like, we're late. We got to go. She's like, are you sure? And then I feel like such a fucking asshole. I'm sitting in the hotel lobby uh, just getting some work done, and I fucking woke up an hour too early because of daylight savings time. Like a fucking amateur, man. Dude, that is pretty weak. That's amateur that's bullshit. The, that's the kind of excuses like you pull out when you're in your 20s or your late teens. I rely too much on technology, man. My phone, I trust my phone. <laughs> so, hey, guys, but, I, uh, I got to check out. All right, Freddie. Hey, go, good luck on that test, buddy. Yeah, thanks, thanks Freddie. Good All luck. Right. Thanks a lot, Freddie. All right, we'll see you later. Later. Um, so, yeah, and then after that, you know, it's a, it's a long day when you got a six when you got a six hour travel uh, travel leg on the end of an eight to ten hours cert day on Sunday. You know, so we finally got back at like twelve forty five. We got back to the office here. I dropped Callie off, and uh, the next morning her car got towed. So that was an adventure in its own. So her car got towed from outside her new place, and she had no car. Yeah, well, uh, that's what happens when you don't register your car for eight months, and your registration's eight months and due. They tend to tow you around here. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> no, the seminar was good, and then we got this weekend off, kind of. So we got no seminar this weekend. Then we're going to be in Naperville next weekend with my boy Neil. What, what? So that's uh, Aurora, Illinois. So if you're in the Midwest, sign up. Let's go. It's going to be a hell of a show. Me and Denny are going to be there putting on a, uh, putting on a show. Fuck so, yeah. It's going to be a good time. Um, yeah, what else? And then, uh, oh, this weekend I'm going, to, I'm going to level one here in Laguna. You're finally getting your level one? I figured, like, I've been pretending to be a CrossFit coach for the past six years. I might as well fucking get certified. Well get <laughs> That's a joke, people. No, going, uh, going for a refresher. Ben and I are both going, and uh, we're – we're going also courting our girlfriends who are interested in the the CrossFit Level 1 seminar course. So we're getting a little refresher uh, since it's been a while since we've, been, we've gone, and then uh, our girlfriends are also going. And uh, Are you going to be able to kind of sit back and take in the knowledge, or are you going to maybe question, are you going to be that guy who sits up front and says, <laughs> man, I don't know about that? No, dude, like, honestly... I heard Russell Berger's teaching it, so you better. You dude, better Russell's get, the man. Yeah, you, you, you better. You I'm gonna give him a taste, dude. If he's there, I'm gonna give him a taste of his own medicine. I'm gonna uh, be like, oh, don't so... piss him off. No, no, dude. Russell's legit. Russell's a cool dude. Yeah, Ru Russ has been to our seminar. Uh, and, but you're twice. right. You don't want to piss him off because he turns green and like triples <laughs> in size and gets after you. <laughs> he's the angry inch. But uh, no, I, honestly, like uh, people will come fresh off a of level one to the football seminar. And the way I represent the, the level one is how it was, 
you know, three or four years ago. And I talked to Russell when he came to one of our seminars. He's like, you got to go, you got to go check it out again, just because there are some nuances. And I just want to accurately represent it uh, as it's being taught today, you know. So, and it's You're not that double date about it. What's that? You're making a double date about it. Oh, yeah, dude, work expense. What? What? Getting expense that whole weekend. Yeah. I've, you know the post post seminar margaritas times ten. <laughs> so. <laughs> But uh, I don't know. I'm I'm a little nervous because they're gonna have everybody nude up and do Fran, and you know fucking Ben's gonna smash that. I got a I got a five dollar bet with Ben that I'll be within fifteen seconds. Oh time. yeah. You think I can pull that off? Yeah, yeah, dude. What's oh, your Fran time? I mean, uh, Ben's one fifty one and I'm one fifty nine. <laughs> nice. Or or two fifty one, two fifty one, two fifty nine. So I do have a sub three minute Fran lifetime PR. Believe it or not, uh, uh, I had a three forty eight best friend. Yeah, how many times did you do it? Once. Uh, last time I did anything that was Fran esque was at the two thousand eight CrossFit Games, and I swore to myself I would never fucking do it again. Yeah, that sounds awful. Yeah, I, I was bad. I still have nightmares about that. But uh, so how do you? What are you thinking about uh, the premium stuff so far, John? You liking the feedback you're getting? Is it keeping you busy? Yeah, I mean, people are excited by it. It, it uh, It's cool. You know, I like the forums. I like to be able to get in there and answer questions. I mean, uh, Luke made a great com, uh, you know, comment that, you know, with CrossFit Football that, like, you know, we, we put the program out and we tried to guide it and give as much information as we could that effectively allow people to perform the workouts, but, like, not so much information that it, like, would kind of allow people to go down the rabbit hole. So there was this kind of weird kind of balancing act where it's like, hey, this is this good program. Just do it as it's prescribed. And then people ask us all these other questions. And like, like, what do I do for this? What do I do for this? And there was this kind of like hands-off where you put it out there organically, but you can't, oh, like, like it's kind of like tending it. Like you got to leave it alone, but you got to kind of tend it, go back and forth. Whereas with the field strong stuff, it, um, it took almost the exact opposite, that it was like, hey, uh, this is what I want you to do for your warm-up. This is what I want you to do for your stability work. This is what I want you to do for your strength, your conditioning, your skill. And you can kind of write a more complete deal and kind of film the demos and get this whole program kind of working and, you know, give narrative and, uh, you know, have forms to support it. And, uh, you know, it allows us to kind of <clears throat> go full in and just basically push our cards out and say, hey, this is what we're doing. This is what we want. There should be nothing left up to interpretation, whereas a lot of the cross football, we kind of left it up. So... Both programs work equally well. It was just kind of just kind of two different ideas that you know, like uh, the cross the football, super basic. Just do your strength work, and you're going to use the conditioning and the metabolic conditioning is really more the assistance and the accessory and the conditioning work all kind of rolled into one. Whereas this program is more what you get if you were a professional athlete that came to train with us. So it's just it's just just two different applications, two different programs, and. Both of them work, and you know we're real proud of both of them. I, I definitely like the ability to get on and have a paid form, um, just because we had a form for a long time, and it was an absolute pain in the ass. There was like uh, people posting porn shit. There was like trolls. There was just this whole deal. And by actually having a form and having this kind of uh, you know slight barrier to entrance, it allows us to kind of uh, get rid of all that and actually know who people are. You know, there's an IP address. There's a code. We know who you are. We know your email. Yeah, you have we a login. Yeah, we know your login. So be honest. Don't be a fucking asshole. And we, we installed, we can see through your webcam so we can watch you 
on yeah. the site. Yeah, that's that's Luke's favorite. A bunch <laughs> of shirtless dudes and women just hanging out. <laughs> so when Playtech browses, he just does bicep curls all day. Dude, I was looking at all the pictures of Playtech from the seminar. Steve, you're a pretty good looking guy. I got to give you some credit. Oh, so bro, so bro. so handsome. I you know, had the. Uh, are you, you being like, sarcastic? No, dude, I was I was loving the 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 faux hawk, and every time there was a picture, you always had like the pose on. I mean, you know, it's good. It's Callie good. and I feel so slighted right now because all we get from John is fucking kicks in the nuts, and yeah. you do a little podcast for us, and all you get is nothing but praise about how good looking you are. I gotta I gotta try to look it. I'm single now. I'm trying to like get a young girl. You know what I mean? Dude, oh, you're you're going Freddie Camacho style. Yes, yeah. my girl now is 24. So my buddy oh. told me you're a dad. <laughs> Uh, I could. You know what, uh, Luke and I weren't raised in like uh, the kinder, gentler, pat on the butt, like the only time I was, uh, uh, you know, I, I don't think I've ever been paid a compliment in my life, so the fact that Luke just, you know, pulled the curtain back a little bit, I, no. I, I guess I'm not being the kinder, gentler, um, appreciative uh, management figure I need to be. I just want to back rub sometimes, John. You know? Dude, I want to back rub. <laughs> Uh, I'm actually writing that article for Starting Strength, and I told uh, Mark uh, that I want to be paid in uh, foot rubs. I want him to rub my feet. And uh, Rip is like, I'd much rather write you a check. <laughs> I was like, what, do you, you don't want to give me a foot rub, you selfish bastard? Uh, so we got one question here maybe we can button up with, and then because uh, it's been about an hour yet. Yeah, we got a roll. Yeah, All we're right. at an hour. Uh, so John Connor... Connor's asking, you guys have an absurd amount of programs and workouts, uh, which means there has to be even more stuff that was tried and failed. Um, uh, can you think of any programs off the top of your head that you've written and just didn't work out? Or, I mean, probably my favorite is your story about manual resistance calves. Yeah, I mean, we've gone as far as being like, you know, the manual resistance. Like, we decided we tried to do every joint we could with manual resistance. So, first, manual resistance is uh, is a form of, I guess, uh, focused training and resistance that you would put maybe pre workout or inter workout. Well, it's it's really a. Uh, you're, you're, you're using, you're putting somebody into different movement patterns, and then you're basically fatiguing neuromuscular pathways using mm -hmm. the. Uh, control the eccentric load, a partner's control the eccentric load, and we do it at the seminar with kind of a couple different movements. But when we were originally testing it, we uh, we found which muscles were good to use and which ones weren't. Uh, don't do manual resistance for abs Yeah, was a real bad one, and calves was a real bad one. So uh, I'm pretty sure I gave myself rhabdo in the calves and the abs doing manual <laughs> resistance, so that was a bad idea. <laughs> Um, also, uh, frequency. Uh, once every seven days was ideal. We did manual resistance every day and uh, hurt ourselves, so that was a bad one. And we, we, so we figured out frequency and volume and which movements to focus on and which ones not. Um, and then you did uh, linear progressive 5 by 5 right? Yeah, yeah that, that one went epically bad. We did a, a deal which was 5x5s uh, five and, five, and singles, so uh, we started doing a linear progression, and like I forgot how the whole program really broke up, but it was like a volume day and an intensity day, but the volume was a linear progression, five by five, and then the volume or the, the intensity days was singles, and it was a program that Mark Ripto had written for <laughs> us for an advanced template. And so I tried to linear progress because maybe there was some way I could suck that linear progression out of five by fives. And I got to the point where I squatted five by five for 500, 
and um, I had to rest about 15 to 17 minutes in between sets because uh, every five was like a limit five. So every set was a five RM at the end. And then I came in on that next Thursday and I squatted uh, five singles and I think I squatted the singles at like 505. <laughs> so it was only like five or ten pounds more than my five singles. And then I got done with the program. Uh, I had been doing a bunch of halting deadlifts and a bunch of deadlifts. Uh, we did rack pulls and halting and then I forgot how the whole program broke up. But then I came back that next week, and I tried to, like, in my head, I was like, well, if I, uh, you know, you start doing some, some calculations, and if I squatted these 5x5s five at 500, I should have been good for about a 657, maybe 750 squat. And I came in, and it, like, I barely nailed, I think I barely squatted 585, and, like, I, I think I got buried at 600, and right about that time, I had, uh, I like literally, I, I was out of the gym and I was driving home and I was completely just fucking distraught that uh, I just got buried and I got a call from Louis Simmons and Louis was asking me if I would sit on the board for his certification for Westside and I started talking to him about volume and kind of numbers and, and intensity and I kind of was telling him what I was doing and uh, that's when Louis invited me to come out to Westside and we really sat down and helped me kind of shape my understanding of like, you know, uh, you know, that the that you can get strong, but as, you know, if you don't work to maintain your speed, that all of a sudden there's a difference between strength speed and speed strength, and I really kind of started going down that rabbit hole with, um, you know, rate coding and rate of force development, and uh, and really kind of, really just started kind of understanding it, and that really kind of allowed me to kind of see, uh, you know, that there was, that, that not only do you need to be strong, but you need to be able to keep your speed, and then, you know, if you kind of do something that doesn't allow you to keep your speed, that will kind of negatively affect your strength gains. So I ended up coming back and changing up my training and uh, putting some more dynamic work in and just doing some more speed stuff and using some chains and some bands, and I think that's when I came back and squatted 700 pretty fast. So mm -hmm. um, that program was uh, uh, really got my strength up, but then all of a sudden I just needed to get the, kind of the speed to match, and then I made some really great gains. But, yeah, it was a pretty terrible program. Uh, the other one was the uh, Bulgarian Power Athlete program mm -hmm. we did. And I don't know if that's what I was going to bring up. Like, was it a failure? No, that was a complete success because it actually allowed me to realize that there's uh, certain athletes need certain amounts of volume and there's a certain and the speed, and it kind of played off mm -hmm. of the stuff with Louis stuff. So uh, that program was. Uh, I but would, I'm not sure that like it was a fail. Like it, it was, was kind of an emotional it, failure. Well, it drove adaptation. It did what it was supposed to do, but we also realized, in a sense, that like we didn't create. Like if you're talking about product development. Yeah. We didn't necessarily create a program that we could market or yeah, implement other than you have, like, you're training right in front of me right now. You know yeah, what I mean? well, it's, I, I think what it also showed is that uh, um, to be able to write something, to motivate somebody to be able to do it every day and kind of the design, um, you have to write something that's both entertaining, fun, new, and exciting, and there has to be some form of plan and sustainability. Like, where they feel self-sustainable. Whereas the only way that you are going to do our Bulgarian Power Athlete program is if you showed up every day and were ridiculed into doing it. Yeah, yeah, there's uh, a lot of negative reinforcement. Yeah, and uh, a lot of uh, betting and a lot of, like, if you can do this, <laughs> I'll give you all the money in my pocket. We, have, uh, <laughs> we, we had a good story. We were squatting 1RMs, and Nate had got buried at 200 kilos for, like, eight weeks in a row. Like, every single day failed. Yeah. So and I, I walked in and I was so fucking sideways and wrapped around the axle that he was failing. I said, "I'm like, here's the deal. If you can squat 200 kilos, 
I will give you all the money in my pocket. And uh, to which I I retorted like, if you get to know John, it's just it's just a crumpled, mashed up combination of potentially six hundred singles or thirty hundred dollar bills. So there could be anywhere from like maybe just fifty dollars to twelve hundred dollars in his pocket at any given moment. He doesn't know. He just reaches into the well worn money bag, grabs a whole bunch of bills, and jams it in his pocket. Yep. And so I, I walked in the gym, and I said to him, I'm like, I will give you all the money in my pocket. And uh, I didn't even know what was in my pocket. He gets under there and gets buried at, like, 200 kilos, and I pull out my pocket, and I think I had, like, $3,000 cash in my pocket. Oh, and, like, man. The look on his face was just, like, utter, like, you know, that would have basically uh, kept Nate funding for, like, a year at that point. Yeah, he wouldn't have to do anything. Yeah, he yeah, and I was like, well, dude, you know, uh, occasionally you got to fucking answer the, the call when the bell is rung. And, um, but, dude, like, it was literally... Nate failed every so day on that max every day for so long. It's it, yeah. well, and, and I hit my. I mean, I hit my stretch too. Like we all just were failing every day. Well, and and you know, and what it came out of is that we realized um, that's where a lot of the resets came out of, and like we really started kind of understanding a lot of the linear progression that. You know, people always get upset, like, oh, I failed at this weight on the linear progression, and I got to do a reset. And they look at the reset as, like, uh, like a bad thing. And I'm like, no, 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 no. The reset's a good thing. Which yeah, is you reach right. your limit, and then you're backing it down, and you're doing volume to help drive adaptation to help you get past the limit. <clears throat> that if you don't have a reset, then you're never going to drop back down to find the ability to drive more volume. And that's really what the 1RMs and the Bulgarian Power Athletes really showed us is that, like, hey, you fail. I need you to go, you know, you're going to have to back down, and then you're going to have to kind of base your volume off of how strong you are on that day. It also made me realize that, like, that's where a lot of the stuff where you see, like, hey, I want you to do a 3RM, and then you're going to train the volume off of this. That's where a lot of that understanding came from just because, uh, like, three weeks down the line, I might not have been as strong as I was three weeks ago. Three weeks down the line, I might be stronger. How can I play off of 1RMs that, I, that are good? You know, uh, if you notice, we really only play off of stuff seven to eight days out. You know, like that, that's about as long as I'll really go off of a number. So a lot of good information, and I think just trying these different programs, having different people send us stuff. Like, you know, we, we tried the small off, and that was terrible because uh, all we could do is squat. Uh, there was no time to do anything else because unless you got, you know, three, four hours of, to, to squat every day, you're not going to have as much ability. So be able to kind of balance and create a total program that allows me to get my training adaptation, but it's, like, not so focused. I mean, it just, yeah, we've we've tried a lot of things. We've trained with a lot of different people, and I think what we've effectively done is come out the other side with what we think is a pretty good program. So there you got it, Connor. John Connor. <laughs> How can you not think of Terminator 2? Come on. Dude. Yeah. All right. It's a great movie. So, well, we got to run, dude. I got to go. I have a full workout today. John's got to meet some folks. Uh, he's got another meeting. But uh, a couple shameless plugs. If you're listening and you want to see how you stack up with CrossFit Football Nation on um, on the CrossFit Open, because all of us are, I think, competing in some sort of – or trying. I don't know if you want to call it competing. Participating in some context. Uh, Dave, uh, Dave the Bull has been helping us out. He put together a little spreadsheet. We'll put a, a link in the show notes. Um, so see where you stack up. It's fun. Just see what's going on out there. 
And then, uh, John, you got to go just... Yep. All right, on. guys. See you later. And Bye. Then, see uh, you guys. See you uh, later. Then uh, what else we got? We got certs coming up, so check it on out. Anything going on your guy, on your side? Denny, Steve, anything? You guys got anything going? No, um, not really. Not really. I mean, we've just been doing the open workouts. We've been having people coming in, like, on Friday <laughs> nights and Saturday afternoons. But uh, other than that, you know, not much. I uh, the the only thing that's happening here is um, two of the guys that I train, uh, coach or whatever. Um, one is from the Texas, whatever region that is, and the other is from the southeast, my region. The one from the southeast is currently ranked 42nd, and the other guy is ranked like 96th in their region. So using the power athlete model with increased volume and more like CrossFit shit. Um, yeah, yeah, it's working. Um, uh, yeah, it's working well actually. So I'm really proud about that. Um, and then good yeah, job. Man. Cool. Well, I guess that's a wrap. Let's uh, let's cut it. It's good show this week. Super stoked Freddie got on there. He's always a good time. But uh, same time next week, boys. Yes, no. Yes, absolutely. All right, perfect. Let's plan on that. And uh, maybe now and then, I know John and I are supposed to talk here in the next couple of days. Maybe we'll get a, a guest on there. We'll see who we can wrangle. If not. You know, we'll just take care of business as usual. Sounds good. Awesome. All right, boys. Take care. Talk to you later. All, All right, right. Thanks. Bye.